0: Hey everyone here, it's RJ and Matthew and Tof coming to you from the Next Gen Movement. This is our Chapter 9 episode and it is our pleasure to introduce Matt Barbuto. We released a pre-release video yesterday regarding our interview with Matt and I just want to quickly take the time to thank him for joining us and also introduce him formally. So just a quick brief on Matt, Matt's career began in M&A at BHP which allowed him to work with some of the resource industry's best deal makers and took him to many parts of the world. He's fortunate to have been since uh, been able to apply those experiences and an extensive academic portfolio, is an entrepreneur, and now focuses his time on growing and investing in technology-focused businesses run by game-changing founders. He values time with his wife and daughter and above everything else and is passionate about embracing learning, creating autonomy, and experiencing a variety for himself and the people he works with and for. So, welcome, Matt.
1: Thanks, RJ. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, so in addition to that formal introduction, many people don't know that you were a significant influence and mentor in my life, and probably if I didn't, know, most definitely if we didn't meet, I, I certainly wouldn't be here today having the conversation, having had been a co-founder of the Next Gen Movement and definitely um, had the success that I've had in life. And I thank you for that too. It's
1: been a pleasure and a privilege, my friend. It's (laughs) it's always great to see people who have such amazing potential. And I could see that in you from the first time that we met. I think uh, just before we started, we're talking about you know, loose cannons and, and diamonds in the rough. Uh, we should choose your analogy, but uh, I think those are both a pretty good fit for you. Uh, interestingly, I, I probably didn't know your full backstory when we met, and I think in some ways that naivete was 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 to our collective advantage because I guess one of the things that worked well for us was focusing on the positive, focusing on the aspiration of what could be rather than maybe in your life at the time, some things that were maybe negative in, in your past and your history. And I think, you know, un, unburdened and, and and unshackled by those historical things, we were able to just shoot for what a success looked like for, for RJ, for Matthew and, and for us collectively. And yeah, we hit a lot of home runs together.
0: It's It's interesting that you bring that up, Matthew, because I tend to find that a lot of Western culture and a lot of the ways that we deal with people – when we're trying to help people move through their past is we want people to deal with their past. And your philosophy was, well, the past is the past. Let's focus on the present and kind of move from here and move forward. And I don't know if you did that intentionally, but looking back, that's kind of what you did. How important do you think it is for people to focus kind of on dealing where they have come from maybe and the issues that they might have gone through versus kind of just focusing and looking forward?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think like many things in life, it's all contextual and there's no one size fits all approach. I think what we did in your situation worked well for us, but I just don't think you can get too formulaic with these things. You know, as humans, we are unique and very complex uh, individuals and we all have our different ways and different means of of getting to where we we aspire to be and i, I think you just have to you know, I'm, I'm really big on context as you know who's probably sat through many uh long and convoluted stories that i've told you <laughs> about adventures in in my life i, I love to, to get into detail and, and explain the context of things and i think that's true you know you have to understand the context because for that moment of that time, that was the right way for for us to to come together and, and succeed. But it's not always the case. You know, there are sometimes when people have you know d- deep dark things for, from their past, which if not dealt with, they they can really continue to haunt them into the future. So I think the the real important thing is you know f- first seek to understand you know, the, the people you're working with and, and the situations you're dealing with and, and then apply the right context and, and accept that it changes over time. You know, you you look at yourself and what works for you today is very different. You know, we just came together at the right time in the right place and and applied a set of principles around, you know, discipline and focus and, and, and drive and passion and and that worked well and the things you've gone on to do more, more recently in your life are a function of you know, lessons you learned in that time but also probably in some ways you know, going back to your roots, dealing with some of those other things that that we didn't didn't at that point in time because it wasn't appropriate
2: yeah that's, that's incredible, and i I relate to that so much, Matt, um, just because I used to be a bit of a lost cause, and I was that kind of person that wasn't able to address those issues head on because there was a lot of fear and I would end up masking in different ways. um Something I resonate with before you, like I got up early to get for a run, and I did the same thing like I was up. And my legs look like Google Maps before that the sun even came up. <laughs> Just yeah. And essentially that's how RJ and I connected. We connected because we're both doing uh, ultra marathons and endurance races. And it wasn't until I think boxing day, RJ, we went for a run and he mentioned you. And he mentioned like how he, when he first started in, I guess in, when you guys went into business together, you were taking him out for runs and he couldn't run too far. And then afterwards he's like, oh, I want to get KFC and all this kind of stuff. But it's awesome to see that you're still very disciplined after how long has it been? Like, it's got to be eight or nine years now, right, between you guys? Yeah, yeah, it's around um, How like that running practice, and not to sound biased of running, um, but how has that shaped you as a person, especially when you're growing these businesses, when you're leading companies, I guess, when you're like a key integral piece of the business, how has, I guess, the running helped you? That's how I'm, I'm like super curious about
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's about finding what's that thing for you. And for me, it's running and always has been, you know, pretty much my whole life. That's been my thing, my time, my place where I absolutely say that I do my best thinking. You know, the vast majority of uh, the good ideas I've had in my life have probably come when I was on a run. Uh, I tend to use the time in in different ways, depending on, you know how I'm feeling this morning, you know I wanted to be a bit more up and about knowing we had this chat coming, so I listen to music a lot of times I listen to audio books uh, i'm a big a big reader and and I love learning uh, and I think you know, when you're in that zone when you're running and you 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 can kind of clear your headspace, I think your ability to ingest knowledge and information is to me it's it's in a different state like I really find that. I can consume content. Generally speaking, they say, if you read things, you'll remember them more. If you write things down, you'll remember them more. Listening is is not always considered the the best medium to take new information. But I find with audio books, especially if I'm in the right headspace running, I can really absorb a lot. And yeah, as I'm kind of going through those processes, I would say the most productive hour of my day is is always my run.
2: Awesome.
0: I think Matt one of looking, looking back on our experience together, one of the things that really was quite impactful for me was I used to watch what you did and I, I modeled your behavior and a lot of that stuff was positive. And Toph and I were talking about the fact that I used to get five hours or four hours worth of sleep. And a lot of that also came from your Modeling of where you were at in your stage of your life where you just would never be off like so we would get emails from them at like five or four in the morning, and for a lot of us, that then became the definition of success too but you just kind of outworked everyone so you know, and sometimes these behaviors are healthy and they 're not healthy so Matt, my question to you is, over the last ten years, how has your your behavior shifted, and your actions shifted in regards to to more balance. I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, mate. Well, I think it's it's definitely shifted, and it's shifted a long way. And I'm not sure whether that's uh, maturing or or getting older, or maybe it's just uh, a greater awareness. But I think definitely, you know, I had a a philosophy back, you know, in in those days where. It was all just about you know relentless drive and 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 just working harder and and doing the extra things and going the extra mile and and I still believe that you know there are times in life when you have to just knuckle down and, and there is no substitute for hard work but I just think that over time I've come to realise that I'm a massive believer of the 80 20 principle Pareto's law and I, I think with more context and more experience you realise that you know a lot of the things that you do really don't make an impact. And if you can identify and focus on that 20% that will really make a difference and is really going to be instrumental and significant in your success and those are the success of the people around you, then that's how you can be, as I am now, a lot more balanced, a lot more measured, you know, a lot more of a an impact player, let's say, where I can better identify the things that really need to be done at a level and and be relentless in making sure they get done right and done well. And the other things that, you know, used to maybe consume the, the incremental time, the things that would, you know, not have me sleeping a lot and, and maybe not making as much time as I should have for, for other things were, um, were, were not really as necessary and that you don't need to be focusing time and attention there.
2: No, I really like that. And if, with, with what NextGen's about, Matt, it's about empowering tomorrow's leaders. And I can see that you're a great leader because you step up into the person you are you've definitely helped RJ during his tough times as well I'm curious to know like uh, I don't know if like leadership is something when it like clicks or it's I, I don't even think it's a title I think everyone is a leader like they lead somehow how what's the biggest lesson you learn about yourself yeah. as the leader you are today
1: yeah I think that you, you, you're very right I mean I i am fortunate to have been able to spend a lot of time educating myself i've studied uh, both in in australia and, and overseas and had the privilege of of doing a, a specific uh a program for leadership development at harvard business school which certainly from an academic perspective is one of the greatest things i've done in my life uh the opportunity to to be on campus at, at hbs to you know to, to be in the same, uh, the same space as you know, some of the great business leaders of, of, of many generations is, is um, really something that I'm um, glad that I was able to do. And you, you learn a lot. You know, there's, there's no doubt that from an academic perspective you can learn a lot about leadership. But I would say from the cohort of people who, who I studied with at, at HBS and have gone on to, to you know, build out as part of my, my global network now, that the best leaders are not necessarily the ones that have the titles. The best leaders... Are ones who show their commitment, you know, to the community, to the people around them, to the businesses they work in, to to nurturing and developing future leaders. And I think that's really, for me, you know, working with people like RJ, um, you know, I'm fortunate in a couple of days to be to be heading to Bali for for a wedding. For uh, a really um, amazing young woman who RJ and I both worked with uh, who is, is now a, a leader in the business that, that we formerly worked in at EFM. Uh, Lee, she's she's a real rising star and, and she's someone who, yeah, she joined the business. She was uh, probably um, quite raw, quite uh, abrasive sometimes in, in, in her ways. And again, just by, you know, leading with a, hopefully a good example and setting the right intent around how you treat other people and, and how you want them to, to treat you she's gone on to to do really great things so I think if you can just create the right environment and and, and model the right behavior and just stay true to yourself and, and what you know is important in the way that you believe that, that that people should be given opportunity and that that opportunity is it's a real balancing act you know I think you've got to give enough rope uh, as a leader because if you don't if you're constantly giving people too much direction, then they just don't have the chance to to fail and, and to learn from those experiences. You, you always learn more when it goes wrong than when it goes right. So I think good leaders give enough rope, let people have those opportunities, let them find a way, don't necessarily give them the answer, ask them a lot of questions to help them work out maybe the things they haven't thought about or haven't considered and then take that path to, to the right conclusion.
2: Love it.
0: Matthew, that was a terrific answer. And I will attest to the graduate program that you, you helped set up. So many phenomenal people have come through that program. And your ability to identify talent is extraordinary. And it's something that I think that I took from you. You know, when I reached out to TOF, to Paris, to to Zach, who I've known for a while what really stood out to me was their x-factor and i think that's something that you've always done very well you've looked at people and found people that have had an x-factor and you've helped polish that and hone that very well probably better than anyone i've ever met and you're willing to take a risk on people that may potentially be disruptive (laughs) to some degree so My question, I just want to talk about and piggyback on what you guys were just talking about. So sometimes I can get caught up in this whole political battle among other leaders and kind of managing up and I get lost in the politics versus really just focusing on the people and really being a true leader, regardless or irrespective of. Kudos or what people are looking at or, you know, the credit I may be getting. How do you balance that within an organization where you've got the politics and the political dynamics that play out in a company, but you also have to be focusing on the troops? How do you how do you manage that? And, you know, was that ever challenging for you?
2: Yeah, I would say that's that's
1: an ongoing battle. It's it's a a life lesson that I don't think you ever really get to a destination in that space because yeah. what drives us to be successful is in some parts our desire to do. The things that others maybe you know, can't do or find challenging or or, or you know or, or find that that x factor like you mentioned in, in others and, and in ourself as well I mean you have to be able to look inside and and see where is that going to come from and how will you differentiate yourself and I think having that drive is really important but it can also be the thing that pushes you to to maybe engage in some of the the the, the behaviors and the things that you were just talking about then. And, you know, it's true of any business, you know, I was fortunate to work in a really large company in BHP and, and, you know, at at that end of the spectrum, you know, you see a lot of those things playing out, but it's not like there's a safe haven where that's not going to be the case. You know, all organisations, whether it's large business, small business, whether it's community groups, whether it's social circles. I mean, that's like I mentioned earlier, you know, humans are complex, uh, (laughs) ecosystems and 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 the way that we interact with each other so i just think that for for me those lessons learned out of you know the the graduate program that that we started back in the day and and i was again fortunate to be part of a graduate program at bhp and and i learned a lot of lessons from the people who mentored us in the program from the company's willingness to invest in us ahead of the curve to uh, allow us to you know to find our our way in a, in a big and, and complex organisation. And I think that that's really what you need to do is just create the support structures around people and around the business that creates the autonomy to, to and freedom. I suppose freedom is, is an important thing that people need to know that they can back themselves and, and, and take their own path. And if they know that and they feel safe and, and they have trust in that environment, then they'll be less inclined to engage in, in politics and, and maybe uh, less positive behaviours. Mm-hmm.
2: Piggybacking on what you just said, the format you were saying how the the internal X factor in ourselves, and it's, it's about going inwards, right? And it's about going to those dark spots and addressing those things so they don't it, it they don't affect the other facets of our other other parts of our lives. Um, I had to like for me a long time to get over the whole people pleasing thing and learning to say no. And it stemmed from something in from my childhood and something real dark as well. I won't go into detail it right now. I'm happy to chat out outside of this. Um, but for me, that's probably the hardest thing. The one of the biggest things I've had to overcome and it helps with my entire like self-concept Right, it's how I look at myself now, not from an ego point, but my self love is so much different than it would have been uh, like 13 years ago. Like what well, I'm curious to know, like what's, internally like what's been the hardest thing that you've had to overcome that you're super grateful for because it's made you the person who you are today
1: yeah that's a that's a, a great question i i had the opportunity to participate in uh something called the mankind project
2: <laughs> oh, i do that, that as well man so yeah
1: yeah, yeah. so you so you're uh, familiar uh, rj you're not so familiar
0: i'm familiar because of toef okay yeah. but i know it's highly secretive
1: there's yeah so uh well you know <laughs> yeah not, not something we can talk in in great detail about here but as a a life experience as, as i'm sure you could attest to for not many people who go and don't come back you know fundamentally changed and 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 change for the better i would say mm. uh, i was when i went to the uh, to the camp, I was with uh, a friend of mine and and a friend of RJ's uh, who is is now RJ's boss, uh, ironically. Mm-hmm. And it was a great a bonding experience for for the two of us to to have some some time out. We would had a you know primarily a professional relationship <coughs> up until that point in time. We were we were friends definitely outside of of work, like RJ and I as well. But yeah, to be in that setting. Uh, it's, you know, the, the rawest form of uh, exposing yourself and you learn things, you know, about yourself of what's inside you that you never even possibly imagined were there. And I think not only what you take out of being there for a couple of days, but what that allows you to do moving forward, you have a, a much greater sen- sense of self and self-awareness. And I think that's a really valuable skill to to be able to have with you, with you every day, you know, as you look at the world and, and how the world looks at you and how you look at yourself?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think, Matt, over the last few years that you're much more integrated. And I'd like to say that most of us are, that are on a path where we're, we're trying to become better human beings. I think that what I realized looking back on our experience and our time together early days was that you were very single-minded and there was a lot of areas of your life that you, I think were avoidant too. And I, and I, and I identify with that. I see that because I can identify with that. Um, so it's good to see, you know, where you're at now. Right. And, you know, we're all kind of happier and, and, and moving towards, our better selves and that's a fantastic thing so I want to talk a little bit more now about where you're at professionally if that's okay so you are an investor right so can you explain to some of us that aren't as smart <laughs> as as you what that means and and kind of go into what that actually looks like
1: Sure. Just before we segue to, to that, I'd just like to touch on what you just alluded to. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I think it's a point well made, you know, I, I pride myself on being, you know, a positive and uh, an upbeat person. But I think sometimes that can be to your detriment because it can, uh, you know, the, the the thing that pushes you to always be positive, to always bring good energy to any engagement you have with people, you know, it sometimes doesn't let you deal with the things that, you know, are difficult and, and painful in your life. And you're right. I think a lot of that single mindedness, you know, and and drive that that you saw and and, and certainly was, was beneficial to parts of my life wasn't uh, wasn't good for balance. And it was, you know, it was it was difficult and there was certainly things in, in that period of time that I wasn't dealing with particularly well. And I think now with the benefit of those lessons learned, uh, it's it's yet yeah, allowed me to be a much more balanced and, and, and integrated and you, know, you never lose that drive and you never lose that passion to, to be successful and to get the best out of yourself and you know, I'm very appreciative always to my parents and one of the things that I learned at MKP was was you know going back to your own origin story and, and thinking about you know the things that, that make you you who you are you know, my parents worked incredibly hard uh, they were both school teachers to you know not just set a good example for us Um, myself and my sisters in life but you know to put us through a good school to give us a good education and you know I think part of that um, drive that I've had certainly professionally has been wanting to repay them for the sacrifices they made to help us have that education that you know made the difference probably for me being able to you know go and and, and educate myself further and, and actually just have that value around learning and and, mm-hmm. and educating and, and it's been an instrumental force in my life so yeah that those type of things I think are, are good to reflect on in in retrospect and every day I would say that you know I my mind takes me back to some of those days mm-hmm. that you're talking about when we were together when I realized that you do actually have to confront and 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 deal with things whether it's uh, you know easy or not you you need to do it and and you need to learn from it and, and you know, it helps you to to be the best you can today, which again, to what we discussed earlier around the past being in the past, you can't change those things. And so you certainly can't lament the fact that, that they happen because they are part of who you are, but you can definitely realize that you, you take what you can from it and you make sure that, you know, you, the, the, the worst mistake you can ever make, as I'm sure I've told you before, is, is the same one more than once. So if, you, if you're making, if you're not making the same mistakes then that's good because it means you're learning from them and getting better.
0: Just, just on that, before we move in segue into the professional piece, this is, this is the more interesting stuff anyways, for me, I think it's really important to mention that one of the things that wasn't said when, you know, I'll never forget when I resigned at five AM on a Sunday morning via text message because I was drunk. And for many people in, in, in the community, they know that, you know, I'm in recovery from from alcoholism and you know, I've been sober for many years now. But at the time that was my Achilles heel and I sent Toph, I sent Matthew a text resigning, and then he called me the next day and said, Never make big career decisions, five in the morning when you're out on the piss, right? So he said, okay, let's meet up. I think that's an actual quote. You can quote me on that. Yeah, it's actually, it's an actual quote, quote, unquote. <laughs> so we met at a Gloria. I'm obviously learned from that one because you've been sober for eight years, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, we met at a Gloria Jeans and I'll never forget um, what, you, what you did without probably realizing it was you let me know that I had something in me that I didn't know existed. And basically what I got out of that conversation was that if I kind of got my shit together, you were going to help me pull out the best out of myself. And I thought to myself, well, I'm 27, 28. This is probably the last opportunity I'll ever have of having a real crack. And the reason I wanted to bring this up now was your power of example with work ethic was really what pulled me through at that time because I stayed sober on a lot of running, which you introduced me to. And I actually introduce people that are newly sober. I take them always out on a run to show them how unfit they are <laughs> and kind of motivate them that way. And that's exactly what happened with you and me in Adelaide. I'm sure you'll remember. Awesome I lights to the hotel. <laughs> I came back to the hotel. He was already ironing his shirt. Um, so it was a bit embarrassing. And your work ethic, though, your, the power of example that gave to me was that if I just really, really focused and worked hard, I could achieve anything. And the success that we had early days was critical for me redefining my narrative. Because I was no longer this lost kid that was always in trouble, always in the shits, always picking myself out of the gutter. I now had kind of this recipe for success and you gave me that dude you know and i'll never i the the amount of gratitude i have for that regard irrespective of how crazy we worked and unbalanced it was it's what i needed at the time so
1: yeah i i certainly i really appreciate you sharing that and i appreciate the sentiment that comes with it uh, like I said before, I think in in some ways the greatest thing I had to my advantage was that I'd never really had a a, a close and you know intimate relationship in that way with someone who was suffering from the challenges that you were. You know, I I hadn't been around alcoholism; it wasn't something that I'd had a lot of exposure to, and and that um, you know it, it 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 resonated with me because I just looked at you based on you know potential versus performance and it's it's not a bad lens when you're thinking about people and you know when you mentioned before about being able to observe talent and and nurture talent i think you know it it's it's the ability to be able to see this person has the potential to be here but they're only here there must be something that's holding them back and if you can identify that it's kind of like an arbitrage opportunity where you can see, you know, this stock should be trading up here and it's trading down here. And why is that? Because maybe there's, there's fundamentals about, you know, people don't like the sector, people don't like the management, people don't like the new product they brought out. People are concerned about, you know, exchange rates, commodity prices, whatever it might be. But yeah, I think that's, that's what I saw that there was this person who had the potential to be a a rock star. And he was performing, you know, like he was at the the high school band. It was uh, <laughs> it was it was disproportionate. I, I really it, I struggled with it, and and you you sent me that that message, and I thought, you know what what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you were your own worst enemy. And really that that you know, if you want to call it an intervention, it wasn't in the formal sense, but you know, I think it, even, that day you know i i'm pretty sure i had kira with me uh, my daughter and you know and and it, and it was really i i think you know rather than going hard at you and saying you know you you messed up and and you're being crazy and you're letting yourself down you know that conversation i i hope you know certainly my recollection of it was that it was very much positive and and upbeat you know once we kind of we dealt with the the elephant in the room which is you know why you're putting yourself into the position where emotionally and mentally you you're you're doing things that that don't make sense and you know to me it was it was a no brainer if if we could create some positivity and some success all you needed was a taste of it and the rest took care of itself you know i think the first domino that falls is always the most important and the rest never fall down if the first one doesn't and for that reason i'm i'm very uh, I think it's very important to always go back to the, you know, to the start of things. And for, for you and me, that was really just about getting some quick wins. And I think for wherever you are in life, you know, when things seem overwhelming, when things seem like everything's going against you, it's important to find those quick wins. That, and they might not be massive in the scheme of things, but it's a win and it's a win and it's a win. And all of a sudden, you feel like you're winning. You feel like you have momentum. And you look at the kind of deals we were doing later in our time together, you know, look back to the start and say, those things, you know, probably seem like pretty small fry in relative terms, but they weren't because we would never have got where we did if we didn't have those quick wins early. And it gave you a a really clear barometer that says, okay, if I work hard and I'm disciplined and it's tangible, that there is success. And so then if I work a bit harder and I'm a bit more disciplined, then there's more success and the success just keeps coming. Hmm. And you think about that time, you know, people like, Simon Wilkinson was a was a case in point, a guy who really struggled. You know, we we found a way, he got some lucky breaks, a few things went out went our way, but you know, we and we kind of gave him some some support, but he got a win, he got another win. All of a sudden it starts to to build momentum. So I think it's a really important thing for for all of us to remember that things won't always go your way. And there'll be times when You're up against it, and you know momentum is a powerful force. If it's with you, great. If it's against you, it can it can really feel like a tsunami, and you just you know you're trying to hold back the water. But you've always got to think that if you can turn the tide, it's about just getting some some little wins, getting some positivity, get some confidence, and then the rest will snowball from there.
2: I love that, man. It it comes back to that domino effect, right? The law of physics means that first one won't hit that last one in one hit, but over incremental change it will eventually knock over that last one or keep going. Um, What I see here is like this beautiful relationship that you both, both you gentlemen have. And it's great to hear it from pre-RJ stage that I didn't know of him. Um, I only only met RJ um, towards, I think it was like towards the second half of last year, I'm guessing. And when we first met and knowing his story and we were very open and vulnerable and there's a lot of humility with each other. But to know someone from that side of things, is great to see because he's definitely carried that on because he's definitely been an incredible mentor for me in many facets of life. I'm, I'm curious to know, Matt, how obviously mentorship is important for you because it's something, it looks like a way that you give back um, in a way. Are you still at a point where, obviously we should always constantly be learning, but are you still at a point where you're still seeking mentors because I think we should have them in every facet of life, Right like my strength coach is certainly not going to be my social media strategy coach and, or my relationship coach, right? I should try and keep that specialized. Is that something that you're doing, especially not only in a personal level, but on a professional level as an investor, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, are you, is, are there, is that something where you're looking to find mentors still today to constantly keep growing? I'm, I'm just curious to know.
1: Yeah. I, I probably have a different philosophy on, mentors and the role they play and changes over time uh, mm-hmm. i think sometimes people can be too prescriptive with with mentorship and you know, it, it's not necessarily a job title it's not necessarily a you know a formal engagement i think yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah so, sometimes those things work and definitely you know again from a context perspective there will be times when you know maybe a person's a bit lost and they need someone who can just uh, like you know, whether that's you know physical training or you know, educational training, you know, someone who can keep them disciplined, who they commit to, they have deliverables, they have accountability. That, that's absolutely important and, and it has a role to play. But I think that sometimes those relationships can become too structured and it takes away the fluidity and, and, and the natural element of it. And I think the best mentoring relationships is when it's, it's a two-way cycle where you're both learning from each other and you're both educating each other And I also think that if that's done in a less formal sense, then it allows it to be a bit more expansive and to explore new and different areas. And normally things find their level. And if you don't have such a structured view of the world, then you can generally get a lot more value from, from the relationship and and give a lot more value to the relationship. So I would say at any point in time in my life, I would be actively, mentoring you know a large number of people and actively being mentored by a large number of people if you ask any of those individuals are you in a formal mentoring relationship with Matthew they would probably say no and I would want them to say no because i think I, i've never gone and asked someone to be my mentor but i do things and you know it was interesting as i got back from my run this morning i i got a message from uh from a guy in the US who has been an amazing mentor to me you know the last 12 months I've learned a lot about uh, a new industry, and you know, I spent a lot of time in in logistics and supply chain. You know I reached an inflection point in my life where I wanted to to go and challenge myself and 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 learn new things and 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 experiment in in a new industry. And this particular guy, you know we we've never formalized any particular rate relationship, but but I just look at him and and the successes that he's had and the knowledge and and his, his uh, ability to, you know, to articulate complex concepts and break them down and distill them. And yeah, he's been, he's been a great mentor, but not through a, a formal relationship like that. And yeah, there's, there's many people who hopefully I've been able to mentor and help uh, in the same way where you set a good example. And if, if that's the best thing that you can do, set a good example of people and, and that will, will take you and them a fair way.
0: Perfect. We had a call yesterday with a company in Holland. And it was about intergenerational workplace. So how can you have the different generations working cohesively together and get the best out of them? So there's five generations now working together, which is, we've never seen that before. And one of the things that we talked about was this natural curiosity that we need to have about other people. And I think that you have that. I think a lot of what makes you successful in tapping. Yes, I know, I see you smiling because Matthew and I have been in many meetings where he'll ask like 2,000 questions (laughs) won't stop, literally, because he just wants to know so much. But I think a lot of that is what gives you your strength when dealing with people. And I think that you almost, correct me if I'm wrong, when you see a diamond in the rough, there's this natural curiosity for you to understand that individual, then also find out how to mobilize that person to pull the best out of that individual. I think that you almost see it as a challenge at times. And a lot of that's driven by your natural curiosity. What's your, your perspective on curiosity and, 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 and people? And how important do you think it is?
1: Yeah, I I think it's it's <laughs> incredibly important. Uh, I I smile because uh, there's a concept in in lean uh, in, in lean methodology which is the five whys, and the it's it's drawn from uh, the Toyota production system is probably the the, the best exponent of it. And it's uh, for for something you know as, as an educational piece, it, it's quite fascinating. But it's really talked to to getting to root cause, and five whys is you know you ask you know why did this happen? And, you know, you think about the first response people often give you, you know, there's kind of there's causation, there's correlation and there's perception. And and many times that first answer is not the right answer. And so five whys is about going deeper and then pushing and pushing and pushing. And when you can get to the root cause, you can actually can fix what the issue is. And I think that is born out of curiosity, a curiosity to not just accept the first answer as being the answer but as a stepping stone towards getting to the real scenario and yeah for, for me I think you know you've got to find a balance you know I, I think there's there's times when I've learned that about myself is that how you're being perceived by the other person sometimes it can be that you're interested that you're curious but it sometimes it can be you know they they feel like you're pushing too hard or they feel like you're you know getting into a space that they don't feel comfortable so I think you have to build rapport and you have to be able to get to a level of familiarity where they realize it's coming from a good place because everything's about you know perception and intent I think if if people know that your intent is not to be invasive it's not to be um, you know, overly prying into things. It's its really just because you want to understand their context, their situation, and the best way you can help them is, is that, and, and we had that, you know, the, the best customer relationships we ever had were the ones who we weren't even talking about logistics with. We were talking about their business strategy, about their go to market, yeah. about the challenges they were facing, you know, different channels, different, you know, suppliers, different things. And if we understood it more holistically, then, you know, solving the problems actually became the easy part because you really understood what they were. And, you know, I see it, uh, you know, I'm fortunate. My, my daughter Mackenzie, she just turned one and you see every day, you know, you, you, you watch her learning things and, you know, being curious and being inquisitive and, you know, it, it's the, the greatest thing in life to be able to see, you know, how do little kids work things out? Yeah. You know, they don't have a textbook to, to refer to. They don't have experience to refer to. They just intuitively they're looking and, and, and exploring and, and navigating and, and finding their way through. And, and I think that's, you know, whether, whether you're a one-year-old toddler or, or, you know, any of us, you know, I think you can always be learning and, and that comes from being curious.
2: Going off the intuition part then, just Matt, uh, with your daughter Mackenzie, intuition is something that is probably a strength of mine, actually. I try and embrace it more. How important is... Uh, when you're making a big decision, especially a big business decision, sometimes you're trying to release the, you don't want emotion kind of driving it, but how important, and it could be a decision, I guess, an, an important aspect of life as well, um, outside of work. How important, do you kind of go off, is it more logic or <laughs> That's a good reaction? a question from Matthew. Or is it more gut reaction? Because I'm still trying to figure this out and it's a question I like to ask anyway. Um, yeah, what, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, I I don't think it's, it's either or I, I think it's a combination, yes. uh, you know, if you think about, you know, where does intuition come from? Uh, and you know, there's probably, this would be for another discussion about the different parts of our brain and how they work and, and, uh, and you know, what we respond to and, and react to. And I think it's a, it's a fascinating uh, topic of of discussion, but for, for, for the way that i tend to think about things and and rj would would know this is that you know i'm a very analytical person and 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 quite detail oriented uh, and that comes you know my, my career started building complex financial models for for large uh, mining projects all around the world so you've got to be in the detail and you, you've got to be confident that that you're accurate but actually some of those lessons that i learned out of that is that yeah, you, know, you can you can boil the ocean trying to get the most detailed and complicated model. Ultimately the most significant assumptions in any of the models that I ever built was commodity price and exchange rate. And those things can fluctuate wildly. And anybody who thinks that they can predict what they will be, you know, in six, twelve, eighteen months, let alone we were building models for thirty year mine lives, is probably uh kidding themselves. And so I think that was those lessons I learned back in those really helped me to appreciate that you know it, it has to be a level of intuition because you can, you will never be able to know all the facts. And even if you could assimilate all the facts, all you'll ever know is what is the situation right here, right now, today. And you can't predict the future. None of us have a crystal ball. So knowing that means that you can't make perfect decisions and you can't <coughs> always make them based on rational facts. There has to be a level of intuition and that intuition really is about, you know, leveraging your experience. And as RJ would know, having been in many sales appointments with me, you know, using illustrative examples was something that, that I found really powerful. You know, I wasn't born a salesman. You know, I studied um, finance and, and commerce as an undergrad and, you know, I kind of um, developed and, and acquired, you know, good, good skills around um, business development. And a lot of that was, was being curious, like we mentioned before, but also being able to leverage case studies and, and give the people we were working with confidence because they knew that we'd done it before. They knew that we could connect the dots. We could see how their situation might be similar or, or nuanced or, or different to, to others and, and that we could get their context. So yeah, for, for me, I think you know, ultimately it has to come down to intuition and you have to back your intuition and not, follow it blindly, uh, you know, in the face of of facts that are telling you otherwise, but for finding the right balance and combination of the, the qualitative and quantitative factors?
0: Matthew and I were, we were once sitting at a cafe, Matthew, you probably won't remember this. It was after a meeting early days. And I said to Matthew after the meeting, I said, I'm, I was a very good cold caller. I've always been a very good cold caller, but I couldn't, I didn't know what to say once we were in the meeting because I didn't, I, I just didn't really have any context of, of experience, I suppose. And Matthew, I'll, I'll never forget what you said to me. You said, you don't have the illustrative examples. So what it is, you don't have any data points in your head that you can leverage when you're talking to a potential client. And then you went on to say to me something that I repeat to, to other people. You said at the end of the day, all the prospective client is looking for is confidence. And that was one of the biggest reasons I did the MBA was because whenever we would go out to see clients, you were operating on a level where you were like this trusted advisor. The conversation was never really about the subject material, uh, logistics. You were sitting there having a peer level discussion as an equal around their business challenges, around where they want to go. And because they understood that you understood that, they just wanted to do business with you because you understood their world. And Hiten was probably the biggest example of that. And that was why, when I really became a believer in education because I always thought it was all about street smarts. And that was another gift that you imparted to me as well was, no, you need to kind of redefine what education looks like. And, 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 and for me doing the MBA was probably the best decision I made in my career ever because that really opened the door to where I'm at today. So again, thank you for that. And look at this point, I think we're going to wind down. I really want to thank you, Matt. I think we'll probably have to do another conversation around, uh, the work piece because there are people that do want to know, um, you know, stuff around, uh, MNA and they have questions around startups and investment. And we tend to, at the next gen movement, be more interested in, in philosophy sometimes as, as I know you are as well. So we'll definitely have to have another conversation. I really just wanted to thank you for your time, Matt. And, uh, you know, thank you on camera in front of the audience for, for all the influence and help that you've given me in my life, because, I certainly wouldn't be here today and and I would never have reached out to the team to 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 want to formulate anything like this had we never had that conversation at Gloria Jean's in Doncaster Shopping Center nine years ago
1: <laughs> well
0: thank you thanks for having
1: me it's uh, It's great what you guys are, are doing and it's the thing that makes me the, the most happy. The fact that you went on to have professional success is a, is a credit to you and and I'm happy that's creating opportunities in in life for you and and your family but the thing that I'm most proud of of, of you is the great work you're doing in the community and the fact that you want to you know pay things forward and 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 give back and and take all those learnings and great experiences you've had and and do good in the world so yeah that's the greatest legacy I think we can ever leave um, for for ourselves and, and the people around so I'm glad to have been part of that journey and, and I'm glad that uh, you know, we, we, we had our challenges when, when, when you left EFM. I think that's worth noting that this is not just a story of, uh, you know, of the up and up and up. I mean, that there was, there was some down times and, and, you know, I remember a conversation we had where I said, we'll never speak again. And, you know, not to, to, to call you out on, on, on this forum, but you know, there, there was things at that time where I kind of gave you the opportunity to, to do the right thing and you, you you made a choice not to, and and I told you that that might mean we never speak again, and and you made that choice, and that was that was hurtful to me, and it was disappointing. But you know, th- this is also the story of of you know redemption and 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 making good, and the fact that we've been able to reconnect after all this time, and to be in such a good place now, you know, to to value each other as friends and as peers, and 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 as people who've contributed positively to each other's life. I think that's a, a really good place to be, and. Like I said earlier, you learn more when it goes wrong than it goes right. You know, if, if everything had always been perfect and rosy, well, we probably wouldn't have the relationship we do today. So I'm grateful for that.
2: Before we um, before we start to wrap things up, Matt, yeah, piggybacking off RJ, I just uh, really want to appreciate you for who you are, the humility you've brought for this, the lessons learned. I've definitely learned so much from this. So thank mm. you so much. Um, I would love to give you thirty seconds for the floor. Plug anything you've got coming up. Um, maybe something that you want to promote. Whatever it is, the floor is yours, man. For thirty seconds.
1: Great. Well, uh, yeah, we didn't get to talk that much about about business and course, the yeah. things that, that I'm doing now. But one thing that uh, that I do really but believe in and, and and have a lot of passion for is is work that uh, is is consistent with some of the the, the things that Ranjit uh, is doing now. Um, so. I do some work with KPMG and they have a a program for for founders of startups and and it's all about uh, sustained high performance, but it focuses more on the people side and a lot of the challenges that startup founders face. You know, many from the outside looking in think that it's all rosy and and it's it's you know, this this fast paced life and they see the the success stories of the people, you know, growing to billion dollar plus valuations, but it's actually really tough and and the research that KPMG has done in this space and the thought leadership that that they're doing to help shine a light onto some of the challenges around uh, mental health and, and 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 other things that that are you know, really quite uh, endemic in in the startup community, I think it's a really important area to, to focus. So for anyone, um, you know, if you check it out at KPMG High Growth Ventures, um, founder research, there's uh, some really good insights. And if, if you, you know, you know, most people know, have friends, family, whatever, who are in startups, just make sure you, know, you take a bit of time, read that research and, and you get a better appreciation that just because people look, you know, rosy and, and glowy on the outside that, you know, they got their own struggles and, and challenges and, and they need support as well.
2: No, I appreciate that. We'll we'll link that in the show notes for sure. Um we'll get those links off to you at the end. Um last lastly man, the last question that we are, we asked, well I guess, if you could give one piece of game changing advice to the next <laughs> generation, what would it be?
0: Game changing, Matthew. Game changing.
2: Game changing. <laughs> <Wow.
0: laughs> that's a big question.
1: <laughs> wow, that's uh, that is that's the best question you've asked the this whole time, which uh which is quite quite something. Game-changing advice for the next generation. Well, I think there's been lots of themes and, and, and discussions that, that we've had in this discussion. But mm. for me, learning is, is something that's really resonated. So I would say always be, be asking questions, always be learning. If, if you stick to that, then you can go pretty far in life. Incredible, man. You rock.
0: You do, Matt. Really, honestly. It's a great chat, man.
1: Thanks, guys. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. yeah, I really
0: appreciate you you including me in, in what you're doing.